Okay, good afternoon, good morning, good evening. Welcome to another episode of Education Nation. I am Melissa, your host, and today we have a very special guest. His name is June Park. He's the director of Rank, Relief Aid of North Koreans, and it is an organization, a nonprofit agency that helps North Koreans. But I'm going to let him go ahead and introduce himself and his organization. We have a very good hour lined up for you, so please stay tuned. I'm going to let him introduce himself. Go ahead, Mr. Park. Yeah, so I'm the founder and executive director of Rank, Relief Aid of North Koreans. Um, I've had about 25 years of experience in business, Christian ministry, and nonprofit. Um, so, and I'm a father of two, a sports lover, and someone who tries to keep up with my uh, a 90 year old dad in golf. So, um, I I just want to tell you a little bit about um, why. Uh, I started Rank. The reason I started Rank was um, I saw so many uh, Korean defectors in L.A. And I began to hear and learn about their stories and it affected me so much. So in about a year, about a year and three months ago, I started this uh, nonprofit. Wonderful. Okay, so... Tell us a little bit about the whole situation, because I'm sure a lot of people, a lot of people listening to this don't understand the story of North Korea. Can you explain a little bit about that and why people defect? So um, in North Korea, there is a uh, dictator named Kim Jong-un. He has been a dictator for uh, I believe about 20 plus years. But what makes that regime so um, hostile to his people is that they've been doing this for three generations. So he started with their grandfather, uh, Kim Il-sung, and his son, Kim uh, Jong-il, I think, and then yeah. Kim Jong-un. So they've been uh, ruling this one tiny country for like 70 to 80 years. And then it's a tyrannical uh, country where every um, every conversation, every movement, every laughter, every uh, tear, they uh, micro uh, record. So for example, if they show any disrespect or any dissent to the government, uh, to the leaders of North Korea, like Kim Jong-un or high officials, they will imprison them, torture them, and then they might execute them. So a lot of North Koreans, especially who have been labeled as dissidents or who have been uh, ostracized because of their freedom of speech, they want to get out of their country. And that is how, and that is the reason for their uh, escaping Mm-hmm. thing from North Korea. Mm-hmm. Wow. So um, all of this going on over there, how easy is it for them to actually defect? Um, it's a very hard process. Um, from hearing um, the first uh, uh, story counts of the uh, defectors and refugees who come to the United States, they have to go through, first of all, 
They have to go through the border of North Korea and China, and they have to pay or bribe a broker for them to guide them through the through the uh, the land and the jung uh, jungles or or wilderness or forests of North Korea, and they have to evade the guards who are uh, who have been posted to keep. The North Koreans from defecting, and they have to cross this river that um, uh, borders the North Korea and China. And once they uh, cross the, that river, when when they get into China, they have to uh, find another broker for them to either go to the Thailand uh, detention center where where they could get asylum, and either go to the United States or South Korea. Uh, but the problem is, once they get to China, there are uh, some of them are sold as sex slaves. Some of them are uh, kidnapped for for prostitution. Um, if they're young enough, if they're healthy enough, they might be just uh, you know uh, used as uh, low wage wage low wage laborers or slaves to work in the uh, Chinese uh, farms, et cetera. So it's a very uh, tough uh, defection escape process that I've been hearing from them. Mm -hmm. so. so once they come to the United States, obviously they come to South Korea first, right. and then they come to the United States because South Korea recognizes North Koreans as its own citizens. Mm -hmm. So their first step would be normally to go to South Korea. But once they come to the United States as refugees and they contact rank, what does rank do for them? So what we try to do is we try to uh, find them temporary housing and a, uh, and a job where they could make a living um, so that they could resettle here quick, quickly. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And adjust and assimilate. And adjust and assimilate. Yeah. So we're trying to like, mm -hmm. so our, so to give you a more detailed uh, information, what we exactly do is we assist North Korean defectors who are arriving in the United States with housing, employment, and education for their children. Because mm -hmm. we feel that those three things are the most important elements of resettling successfully in the United States. Right, because I would imagine there's a lot of psychological damage that comes with living in an authoritarian state. So when they come here to the United States, it, I mean, I'm just speaking candidly, it might be too late to save a lot of these people and change them from what the way that they're used to thinking. But their children have some hope. They have hope of being raised in a Western environment where they can um, think think more individualistically and have an education and have an opportunity to speak English and jobs. And that was another question I had um, about even English skills. How likely is it when a North Korean comes to the United States that they actually learn English? Um, I think that uh, most of them, I would say about 70 to 80 percent, chances are they will not acquire sufficient English skills to live day to day. So a lot of them end up living in uh, Koreatown. So there's, so there are major Koreatowns in a uh, couple of states, in a couple of cities. So for example, there's a humongous uh, Koreatown 
uh, Korean population in Koreatown in Los Angeles. Mm-hmm. And there's one in New York City. There's one in Chicago. Mm-hmm. There's one in Georgia. And there's one in um, like Washington, D.C., Maryland, Virginia area too. So there's about five different uh, Koreatowns. And that's where most of them reside so that they don't really have to assimilate by learning the language or the American culture. Mm-hmm. But, but like, like as you were saying about their children, uh, I believe that that's where our, uh, our rank wants to focus about 70% of its time and resources on because we see mm-hmm. that the first generation who come to the United States because they have so much psychological damage, trauma, PTSD, et cetera, um, they're, they're going to uh, resettle, but um, they're going to have a tough time. But we see that if we uh, provide um, scholarships and education resources and employment uh, and career advice, I think the second generation uh, North Korean defectors, the children of the refugees who come here, they'll be able to adjust and I believe thrive because they have an incredible survival and work ethic, which mm-hmm. will really make them successful. And that's where we want to kind of, if we were to make a bet, that's where we want to put most of our resources, time, and energy uh, now and in the near future. Mm-hmm. Fascinating. I recently saw a movie. It's called Beyond Utopia. Have you seen it? Oh, yes, I have. What do you think about that movie? Oh, my gosh. That movie was just amazing. <laughs> I mean, you know, basically. It was powerful, wasn't it? Wow. It it just made me speechless after that movie. So mm-hmm. you could summarize or I could summarize and we could kind of. Dissect mm-hmm. the movie. Go ahead, summarize the movie for us, because I want them. I want people to understand what this movie is about, and I really would like as many people as possible to see this movie. It was absolutely incredible. So that movie was about a pastor named um, Kim um, Kim Jong. Uh, I think Pastor Kim. Let's call him Pastor Kim. Yeah. So mm-hmm. he he married a North Korean defector in South Korea. So he felt so much uh, empathy towards, uh, and after he got married to a North Korean defector, he has so much empathy and then about the desperate plight that they were experiencing that he said he needed to do something. So he ended up going back to China and sometimes in North Korea and organizing this uh, defect, uh, escape, uh, strategies and he he did it by going by him, going himself and using his family members who are doing business in China in North Korea so that he would create these routes of escape and then he would also and he would employ the um uh he would employ the uh what do you call it the um you know the brokers, brokers. yeah mm-hmm. so that he, I think in the movie he says that he know he knew that the people that could actually uh that could be helped to defect are the people who the the you know the brokers don't want to use them as uh you know laborers or like prostitutes or something of value to them so basically if 
uh, North Koreans uh, were escaping, but if they had some use, they would just use them. They would just uh, kidnap them and sell them off as human slaves or prostitutes or laborers. So he, so he knew that. So he took the lesser of two evils. So he, he paid for the people who are defecting. People who are a little older. People who are little. People have families with little kids, grandma, grandfathers, and then people who are older who had no. Like value to them, so he would buy them. I think for five thousand dollars, and then he would, the brokers would give give uh, give Pastor Kim the the individuals and the family members, and then he would guide them from I think China to be defected, going through I think China. Then I think it was he went through what the, I think Indonesia, Laos. yeah Laos, Laos. And, yeah, at Laos jungle, and then he would have them escape to Thailand, where there's a detention center, where these North Koreans could uh, file for asylum. And few of them would go to South Korea, and a uh, few of them would arrive. Few of them would uh, up up to go to the United States, and I think that's how he did it. And then um, I read that he that he started about twenty twenty five years ago, and he. He had a hand in uh, assisting a thousand North Korean defectors wow. in North Korea. That's an That's incredible, incredible. Amount of he did. Wow. Uh, so yeah. Wow. And and let me add that the whole movie details the journey of a family, a mom, dad, two daughters, and grandma, oh, and right. their escape from the north from the moment they crossed the river, right? It was there was footage from the moment they crossed the river onto into China, and it detailed their journey, and it also highlighted a woman who was trying to get her son, her teenage son, out of North Korea, and her struggles communicating with brokers over the phone and trying to, you know, people telling her things where her son is. Her son, um, I don't want to give away the ending of the movie, but. Mm. Um, she, I don't, spoiler alert, she did, uh, uh, end up finding out what, what happened to her son and just kind of psychologically dealing with that and Mm. dealing with, my God, is this broker that I'm talking to, are they telling me the correct information? Are they lying to me about where my son is? Are they, you know, how, how much money was she paying everybody to give her this information? So it was such a heart wrenching movie. And to think that this is happening right now in this day and age is incredible. And just the fact that, you know, you hear the word gulag and you think of, you know, the old Soviet era, you know, gulags, and um, they very much exist today. And they are certainly existing in North Korea because these people, if you try to escape, they, China will send you back. And not only will you go to the gulag, which is a prison camp, where you can do hard labor for the rest of your life or be killed, your family will. Your your family will just be rounded up. Two generations down the line will be rounded up because of what you did. And it's just, it's heart-wrenching that this is going on today. So that movie really highlighted the reality of what's happening. And it it is, it's, it was difficult to watch, but it was so real and so passionate. And most, I would say, mostly the movie ended on a good note. So it is worth seeing. Pastor Kim 
deserves, uh, you know, Nobel the, Prize. <laughs> yeah, the Nobel Prize, yeah. the Nobel Peace Prize, because I've never seen an individual. And didn't he say in the movie, he said, my son died mm-hmm. when I was helping right. other people. He lost right. his son while he was helping other people. Yeah, escape. he sacrificed, uh, I, I believe it's, I mean, not sacrifice in the sense that actively, yeah, I think he, there was an accident while he was helping North Koreans and his son passed away. Yeah, yeah. I remember him saying yeah. that. Yeah. Yeah, that was such a, a heart wrenching. And then, tale. and that movie actually, you know, uh, won the audience award for U.S. documentary at the 2023 Sundance Film Festival. Yeah. And who then, directed that movie? Um, let me see. I don't remember yeah. her name. Yeah, There's a, a lady name. There's a lady who took. Let me give me a, give me a second. Um, give me a second. Madeline Gavin. Yeah, That's Madeline Gavin. Yeah, yeah, that Madeline movie was Gavin. really well made. And then, mm-hmm. yeah, I think I believe that um, that movie not only uh, risked the lives of uh, Pastor Kim and the the factors, but the film crew as well, because they were, I think, on the scene, which was just, yeah, it was just yeah. I was like, wow, this, yeah, that was crazy. Like yeah. they literally, right. there was a film crew. Right. Somebody was filming them the minute they stepped on the Chinese side and they were in hiding right. and they were, it was a, a video call. Actually, it right. was a video right. call to the pastor saying, right. help us. You know, we heard yeah. that you helped other people help us mm-hmm. from that time until the end of the movie, which was three years down the road. Mm. Yeah. He was, you know, risking his life, his, uh, the film crew. And then, um, I think in the movie he said that, uh, let me see. He said that, uh, you know, after this movie goes out, I'll have a, I'll have a bullseye on my back. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but he goes, yeah. I don't really care. It's like, wow, they're kind That's of That's crazy. So everyone knows how he looks like, what he looks like, what he does. So, and know. he has a very distinct look. You can't mistake him from right, anybody right. else. So I think that he'll be the, the public enemy number one of the North Korean regime. So, but he can't be the only one, right? Um. So I think I mean I think he I think he's the most prominent and successful one. But mm-hmm. I'm sure there are others who are trying to escape. But he's but his success rate is so great and then he knows I think the routes and then the process of mm-hmm. you know, defecting. So he's a go to guy. He's like the goat of <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. the North Korean defectors. So And yeah. what was what was crazy to me was that he actually would trek through the jungle with these people who were defecting, leading them, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. being as a go-between between the brokers and the people. Right. And um, he didn't didn't he hurt his ankle or something in the in the jungle? He he, he was yeah. having a hard time walking. Yeah, he hurt his ankle, and then he fell and he broke his neck or something like that. I think he broke his neck, so he was hospitalized. And then, yeah, he just drank it too much. Yeah. But you know, but he. He has so much knowledge and wisdom on, you know, helping the North Korean defectors that he feels like he has to do this. He knows how mm-hmm. to, like, deal with the brokers. Uh, he knows how to, like, you know, uh, kind of go. And because sometimes the brokers, you know, you pay them X amount of money and then um, they will try to guide you. But in order to get more money, you know, the brokers would uh, extort more money from him. But 
Mm-hmm. Sometimes pastor runs out of money, and then he has he gets uh, he gets no guidance, and he has to find himself out of that jungle or out of the wilderness. Or, mm-hmm. And then he had, so, but he knows the area so well, he could do it. But so, if someone else does that, they could get lost, and they could they might not be able to, you know, come out. They might be just stuck right. in that area. So, right, right. I I remember that they mm-hmm. were asking for more money and they were just taking them around in circles in the jungle until they'd pay them more money. And then exactly. finally I mean, promised them, okay, I'll give yeah. you more money, but we, you have to take us to the right place. Right. Because, you know, he knows, yeah. he knows that if he keeps on paying money, then, you know, then he, he might not, he never, he might not, he might never get out. They might not, you know, they might just mm-hmm. want more money and just leave him in there. So, which is so cruel, you know, because the the brokers don't care about the people. They care about it like it's a business. It's about just yeah, business. It's, it's their business. It's collateral. It's just, it's not people, you know, right. they're, it's just about the money to them. Right. Which so, is, is yeah. just nuts, you know. And I almost feel like people should donate. People should give money to Pastor Kim just so he can yes. hire a really good set of bodyguards. <laughs> bodyguards, you <laughs> know. <laughs> on a, in, a, in a tank or something like I'm not sure, but t- yeah, exactly. Yeah, so uh, yeah, it just, I mean, so I mean, we we could talk about a lot of stuff. So I think the the whole network of and the strategy of escape, uh, assisting um, refugees and defectors is so difficult because the brokers they have to kind of know not only the routes but when the guards are posted on each like border. So they mm-hmm. have they have to give them a lot of, lot more information because, like you said, because they're in it for the money, it's kind of sad. But because they're in it for the money, they they know exactly what to do. You know, they're in it mm-hmm. for the money, so they want in order for them to make money, they have to get these people out of there so they could use it. You know, they could sell it to Pastor Kim or like you know, like you know, like a John or like you know, all mm-hmm. these farmers who need like slave labor. So they mm-hmm. are they're very efficient. You know they don't want they don't want to waste time or money. So, but it's sad that you we have to use people like that, and they have to. Mm-hmm. You know, Pastor Kim has to use people like that. So, it's it's yeah mixed. We have you know I think uh, as I was watching the movie, you know I have all these mixed emotions. I'm like wow, this is such a. <laughs> such oh, a I cried. Movie. I was crying through half the movie. I was just torn. and then at the end, of course, tears of joy. But yeah, yeah, so, it's I mean, it's. Yeah. So, I mean, all these different like thoughts came into my mind. So I'm like, so out of, out of those people who try to defect, how many people actually make it out? So I was trying to mm-hmm. like, assess that and talk to other North Korean, you know, defectors and refugees. And they say some like in the single digits, you know, maybe 1%, 2%, 3%. So many really? People. Yeah. Because on the way out, they get caught by the guards. They, they get injured on the way and they, you know, they die. And some of them get caught by guards, you know. Now, what yeah. what confused me was when I was reading some statistics. Right. It said that so over the years, yeah. the amount of defectors leaving North Korea has kind of dwindled. Mm-hmm. And then the last statistic was there were literally because of COVID, right. you know, COVID hit. And then the borders, the security, the borders got a little bit tight and people weren't able to pass through. But then like the last statistic, there were so few North Koreans defecting. It said something like 20, right. 20 North Koreans. But then in the same paragraph, it says that 
the, um, I think it was um, healthwatch.org um, yeah. said 600 North Koreans were shipped back, were sent back from right. China. Right. So that doesn't, the numbers don't add up to me. If only mm. 50 North Koreans mm. escaped in 2021, let's mm. say, I don't know the exact, mm. I don't know, remember mm. if it was 22 or 21, but if only 50 Koreans defected how could they send 600 back that so, means that they must have more more must have defected you know what i'm yeah, saying so so my rough math excuse for my rough math i would say about you know here maybe 500 try to escape maybe like 15 20 make it out mm-hmm. and then like the other 480 mm-hmm. they, they get caught throwing the wow yeah and, and i guess maybe like 300 they get caught they get sent back Mm-hmm. You know, and and then they get sent back to North Korea. You know, and then the thing is, at, even after they make it out to China, when they got when they get caught by the Chinese authorities, China recognizes North Korea as a country, and then because North Korea and China they're in friendly terms, they would actually send the North Korea North Koreans back to North Korea. Yeah, they'll yeah. so, yeah. oh, you're from North Korea, so we're going to send you back. Mm-hmm. So, uh, like, out of 500 people, like, 20 make it. So what is that, like, if it's 50, it's like 10%. That's like 4%, 4% or something like yeah. that you know, of success rate. I see. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So that's, so I think the, you know, the, the success rate is maybe like 3 to 4%, less than 5%, I would say, you know. So do you, what do you think um, is going to happen in the future? Do you think mm-hmm. that defections will go up or you think they'll stay low? I mean, I I saw the meeting two days ago with Biden and Xi, Jin, uh, Xi Jinping. I mean, yeah, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, President, yeah. So I was like, so U.S. and China are normalizing relations, and then and then I see the U.S. normalizing relations with Korea and Japan too. So if we have normalized relations with China, we have to respect how they deal with other countries like North Korea. So I believe that U.S. is gonna maybe. Um, have to, because of economic and diplomatic reasons, um, mm-hmm. I think I don't think no I don't think U.S. is gonna uh, like be outraged about uh, human violations in North Korea as much, and the media mm-hmm. is gonna kind of um, I think the media is not going to focus upon the North Korean human rights uh, violations because mm-hmm. of diplomatic and economic and political reasons. So I, th- mm-hmm. I think that the I think the Chinese will send a lot of the North Koreans back, and they just want to make they just want to make it look like uh, North Korea is not uh, not not really violating the human. And they're gonna probably not expose the human rights uh, violations that North Korea commits. I think, which is sad. Wow. Yeah. So, so the focus is gonna veer away from right. Human I think rights. we're gonna focus more on the, gonna, yeah. It's more on the nuclear. Yeah, the nuclear yeah. the international relations approach you know because i don't think because i think uh with you know with israel with ukraine i don't i don't think u.s wants another war either economic or military war with china so we just want every all the countries to be at peace so it's good for us you know u.s citizens and you know uh chinese uh chinese people but i think it's gonna be bad for the North Korean refugees and defectors who want to get out of the country. I don't think mm-hmm. their cause and issue and uh, their 
their cause will be uh, 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 covered by the media as much. Mm-hmm. Yeah, things can be downplayed, I think. Okay. What What do you think? You personally, what do you think the, the solution is? Uh, the solution to, uh, like... North uh, Korea. <laughs> the, whole, the, the entire solution. If you were in charge of the world, what would your solution I think, be? I think we had the conversation, so I don't want to make too much, too many enemies. And I want Rank to be, Rank to stay as a humanitarian uh, agency that helps... Mm-hmm. Uh, North Korean defectives who made it out alive. I, I I refrain from answering the question because politics is beyond my comprehension. I just mm-hmm. don't get it. I don't think there's mm-hmm. a right or wrong answer to politics and, you know, et cetera, because there's so many people who need, I think, our help. Mm-hmm. Uh, not only uh, North Korean defectives refugees, but refugees and defectives from South America, Africa, Russia, Ukraine, Israel, Palestine, there's so many. And then I just want to focus on their resettlement process. Mm -hmm. So what would you say are people's biggest challenges when they come here to the U.S., North Koreans? I mean, right now, I think the biggest challenge in the U.S. for some reason is housing. I don't know why there's the price of housing has gone up so much. Mm -hmm. And then I think it's, I think I want to just kind of, you know, you and I know this uh, issue well uh, in dealing with refugees by having to having it, having it an opportunity to meet them and then you know have lunch and you know etc. But a lot of people in America that we don't know we don't know the exact challenges they face. So I want to show them. I want to show the American public that there's so many need that these people have, and mm-hmm. like the you know. The polarizing politics say these people are not necessarily evil or criminals or, mm-hmm. you know, right, they're just right. like, yeah, they're just like us. All of us were immigrants at one point. They come here mm-hmm. for a better life. And so they yeah. want affordable housing, gain, gainful employment, and education for their kids. And I just want us to recognize that. I don't want, so I don't want to mix politics with helping these people because mm-hmm. they, are here to add value. I see most of them working really hard, trying mm-hmm. to make a difference, you know, by providing for their family and trying to do good. And they want to be upstanding citizens of the United States. And they mm-hmm. want to, uh, they want to uh, live out the American dream that we all have, you know, thought about. And I don't think we should demonize them. And of course, there are people who commit crimes. There are people. There's always bad apples in. There's a small batch of bad apples in every big batch. Mm-hmm. Not just that, right. even American, you know. So I don't want to demonize them. They're here to, you know, make make a, a life and then live out the freedom uh, that all of us aspire to. And that's why all of us came from the pilgrims to your, you as a Polish-American immigrant from your, you know, from your parents, right? And from me mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. a Korean-American, too. We all came here for a better life. And mm-hmm. most of us try to obey the obey the law, you know, make a living and try to help mm-hmm. others. And I just want them to be treated treated the same. I don't want them to be isolated, and I don't, I don't want them to suffer uh, because they have suffered enough. I think that the suffering, you know, I think the suffering part should be over. And I think that we should kind of help them resettle here successfully with affordable housing and gainful employment and 
providing resources for their kids' education and their careers. And then that would make America stronger, wealthier, and better. Right. Yeah. Immigrants right. have no. always made immigrants have always made America better. I don't know why there's like I don't know why there's nonsense about immigrants. There's a lot of animosity. Right. I think yeah. it's, I think it's putting I think it's putting I think it's putting the uh wrong blame on the wrong people. Mm-hmm. Doesn't doesn't make sense. I've seen I and I you know, I, I I see people, I work with people, people who've been here people who've been here in America for a long time compared to immigrants. Mm-hmm. I could bet you everything that immigrants were harder, longer, <laughs> and sure and better. No offense, you know <laughs> that's a fact. You know, and they they make right. they make lower, they make lower wages and pay than the, you know, the Americans. You know, and then if I had to do something like next day, I probably pick an immigrant to do my work because they mm-hmm. know they'll get the work job done <laughs> quicker. Right, right. And hopefully they instill that in their kids. Of course. You know, who are here mm-hmm. and who are going to school and they have all these opportunities now because they live in the United States and mm-hmm. they instill that hard work ethic into mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. Hopefully. I mean, that's the plan. Right. Everybody wants their kids to have a, a better, stronger life than they've had. Right. You know, so, but- I can see, I can definitely see um, the need for the housing. I can see the need for education. Um, but what what is your idea on healthcare? Do you think they know how to navigate the system? So I I um, I know a little bit about other agencies that provide healthcare to uh, undocumented and refugees. So mm-hmm. I want them to link. I want them to be linked towards. Uh, healthcare system for the, these vulnerable people mm-hmm. and through that they'll be able to get their checkups and then the blood tests etc you know so mm-hmm. i have some i have some knowledge about how the uh, what do you call it the, uh, the urgent care uh, i mean downtown i believe there's uh, the county hospital they accept mm-hmm. people without uh social security numbers and then their agents they're like um uh Nonprofits that accept people who have no documents, and if I could find people who need uh, medical assistance, I would refer them to these agencies. So I have built up some relationship with them as well. Mm-hmm. So okay, yeah, I mean, America, Great. there's a lot of resources, just that it's not organized and it's not easy to access because we don't know where they are and we don't know how to access them, and not everyone, not every agency could be found on Google. A lot of them can, but a lot of them cannot. And then the process is not very simple. It's very complicated. And it's, compl- you know, it's complicated for us. But imagine if you don't know the language, <laughs> if you don't know how to navigate the web. They make sure. it like five to ten times more difficult. Oh, I totally get it. I remember when I was in Korea and I bought a car mm-hmm. and I went to the dealership. I bought a car. Well, nobody told me. Maybe they did tell me and I didn't understand. <clears throat> But they didn't tell me that I was supposed to go right away and pay a tax on the car. Right. right. Well, I didn't pay the tax on the car. I just mm. bought the car. I drove it around for a year. And then when I tried to sell it, they said, well, you didn't uh, You didn't go through the system. You didn't pay the tax. It wow. was something like a $4,000 tax. Wow. And I, I said, that's that. more than what I'm selling the car for. How can that even be possible? So, um, yeah, I, I 
a different language, a different system. I didn't know how to navigate even the healthcare system. I didn't know right. how to navigate myself, not knowing the language, at right. least at first. Right. It right. got better as time went on, but that's through, you know, li- listening and studying the language and learning. And But it was very difficult. So I can just imagine if a North Korean came here, and especially the kind of society that North Korea is, healthcare is not good. Um, the system isn't good. Most people don't drive cars unless you're wealthy or you have some money. Um, I remember hearing a story about a woman mm-hmm. who said when she went to South Korea, she couldn't believe how many cars were on the, on the road. She said when she was growing up, they would be lucky if maybe they saw one car pass by in their town every year, just a car would pass by and she'd say, Holy cow, everybody would come out and they'd be watching the car pass by, by down the street. And then she, went to South Korea and it was everywhere. And I could just imagine how overwhelming everything is. So coming here to the U.S., we have healthcare to navigate. Plus you have an education system. You have choices in education. You can go to a private school. You can, you can go to a charter. You can go to your local school. You can go to a, 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 an all community. You can be homeschooled. There are so many different choices that it can be so overwhelming to an immigrant. Yeah, so um, I guess going back to, um, I mean, it's, it's very, it's very, I guess it's a human tendency to focus on the negative, but I like to uh, focus on the positive and here in the future. And then I just want to lessen the fear and anxiety and uh, challenges that these refugees and defectors from North Korea have faced. And mm-hmm. I just want them to introduce them to the good side of America, which is, you know, like you said, um, a lot of opportunities and a lot of resources that mm-hmm. they need challenge into, uh, like, uh, th- I mean, that they need uh, for their lives. And mm-hmm. I think that's where rank comes. I have, uh, as I've, as I've told you, I've, I've uh, had a couple of businesses um, that, allowed me to know how the system, how capitalism works. And I worked in a church setting where I found out how the church works and how many churches want to um, help people who are on the edge, who are vulnerable, but they don't know how. Mm-hmm. You know, So I like to create a systematic approach to helping them. So we're starting out um, having monthly meetings with these refugees to find out what's going on. And we're having like three or four big events a year. So next year, uh, we're trying to have a scholarship night, a banquet, and a career employment uh, career fair, a health summit, and a housing summit. So we try to gather people to these events and give them a lot of information. And also people who can uh, maybe assist them in their own native language. So we're trying to find people who could speak their own language and English. So for a North Korean refugee, I want to, f- I'm finding, uh, I am, um, we're selecting people who speak both English and Korean. So they could be helpful in helping these defectors with um, healthcare, housing, and jobs. Mm-hmm. And also I'm trying to like reach out to other defectors. Uh, we met, um, I guess, Jose from uh, Venezuela. Mm-hmm. And for us, you know, Venezuela seems to be a nice country where they play baseball and a lot of them come over here. But we didn't know that there are a lot of 
political persecutions there. So he came with his wife and two right. kids. Yeah, mm-hmm. and then, you know, basically um, most defectors and refugees, they need the same three things. It's not, you know, it doesn't take a rocket scientist to find out what they need. So I'm trying to find the resources and I try to match them up with uh, good resources so they could simulate um, smoothly in the U.S. But it just takes mm-hmm. time. It just mm-hmm. takes time to build and create a uh, an organized uh, event schedule so they could come, the venue and the churches and the partners and volunteers who could help too. So it just takes time. And um, sure. we just started about a year, year and a half ago. So we're in the initial stages. So uh, we're going to probably fail a lot. Um, I make a lot of mistakes, but from those mistakes, I hope to make a uh, organized, uh, positive impact on the lives of these defectors and refugees and their families, so that they could right. they could make their lives, uh, so they could resettle here in the U.S. successfully to make their American dream come true. So, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. what can you tell us a little bit about any past events you've held and and how oh and yeah how that so went? about uh, was it two months ago. Um, we were able to partner up with a uh, a nonprofit, uh, Restore LA in Los Angeles, and we had a um, uh, we had some returns from Costco. They're virtually uh, unused and new items such as diapers, furnitures, tables, refrigerators, and we we're able to uh, distribute that to North Korean refugees and their families, and they were delighted. And then. Uh, we had another event about a week ago where we uh, had a, um, a story. Uh, so the point of that meeting was to hear the stories from themselves. We usually hear the stories of escape and um, the challenge they face from a third party, either a, a nonprofit leader or a pastor. But I just wanted to hear from their own lips the and the stories and the challenges they've uh, faced. So we had a meeting at Restore LA, uh, church in LA, and we heard two people's stories about their escape. One, her name is Sarah, and she escaped uh, about, I I think about 15 years ago from North Korea with her infant uh, infant daughter. Uh, And then what really struck on my mind was that she left North Korea with two pills one poison pill for herself in case she get caught and um sleeping pill for her daughter in case uh so that she falls asleep while she escapes north korea and then uh that was really really uh uh you know that that put an imprint in my mind and also we heard a story of jose his escape from coming from venezuela how he had to cross over eight countries with Mm -hmm. his wife and two cho- two children and the, mm-hmm. the dangers the the temptations and all the stuff that he has to face to come to this country and mm-hmm. you know he was telling us that when he came to America a lot of people a lot of churches and on different places uh, he where he turned for help they rejected him you know they thought that he was lying and he was uh you know trying to uh like cheat them with money but but he found, but he was lucky enough to find this church called Restore LA Church, and then they uh, gave him a lot of assistance for him to find a job and a nice housing, a nice uh, apartment, and 
um, to care for his family. So he's able to simulate. So we're trying to like find. Um, I believe that uh, we don't really have answers, uh, fully, uh, uh, fully realized answers for us to help them. So we're trying to find new ways to help them think out of the box and find partnerships that work so that we can help as many people with our experience and with our mission and with the people that we have. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, so that's turned out to be a good partnership. Yeah, the partnerships, the events, yeah. So the Costco the Costco distribution and also that storytelling uh you know, meeting with the North Korean refugee and the um the Venezuelan refugee, that was really eye opening. And then a lot, you know, a few uh I think about thirty or forty people attended and all of us were so um awakened awestruck, awestruck <laughs> and awakened and mm-hmm. We're so refreshed because mm-hmm. it is unlike what you've, what we have seen on YouTube on movies. It just it's in another dimension. It mm-hmm. was because mm-hmm. we share in their struggle, and that we could experience their challenges. And as human beings, we could identify and we could sympathize with mm-hmm. their lives because their lives are in a way our lives, you know. And then all of us. You know, if we if we could really, if we can, uh, you know, organize a life and just uh, share some of our wealth and time and you know networking connections, we could definitely help them. It is it is it is not big, you know. And I just want us to be unified in helping the people who need our help. I don't want I don't want us you know I want our society to uh, be less polarized and less finger pointing and less uh, victimizing. I think this is a way for us to really not only help them, but also make a difference in our lives by participating. Okay. It makes our lives richer. It's something mm-hmm. that we all say that we're doing, but we should be doing more. Right. Because it makes our lives so much richer by helping those who need our help instead of victimizing them or targeting them and bullying them. You know, it, it enhances right. humanity. Yes. Mm-hmm. And there's a part of me that feels like, Helping them makes our country and our situation better. Who, what would you rather have? Suppose a North Korean refugee or any refugee came over here. Would you rather have them not have a good head start and living in a tent under the freeway? Or would you rather have them contributing to society, having a job, having a place to not having to worry about where their next meal is coming from and kind of giving them that kickstart. And from what I'm hearing, that's what rank is doing. Rank is helping these people find the housing, getting, you know, helping with employment, with housing, with education, so that you can give them that kickstart in order for them to create their own success, to be successful and to contribute to society instead of just letting them fail, and now they're a burden on society. Does that make sense? Yeah, I mean, that, that makes total sense. And that's, that's our mission, trying to help them with the essential uh, you know, challenges in housing and employment and education for their kids so they could be on their feet and, you know, making a, a realizing their American dream and also making a difference in other, uh, other people's lives and making our country greater. Mm-hmm. You know, we do have, I believe that we do have enough resources 
and uh, and there are people willing to help. It's just that people really don't know how to help, and people don't know the way to help. And that's what I want to kind of do things. You know, I want to kind of show people that there are all these people who are needed, and people, uh, all these uh, vulnerable, needy people out there, and kind of mm-hmm. come up with a solution or an equation for us to get involved. And mm-hmm. it's going to take a few years, I believe, because these solutions don't, uh, you can't find them in a textbook, you know, <laughs> or degree, right. you know. Yeah. It's just a lot of it is a trial and error. And then mm-hmm. uh, some people say, no, they don't want to be involved. But that's okay, you know. But the people mm-hmm. who want to be involved, we're trying to create a, a viable solution for us to get involved. And it is doable. It is doable. Resources are there. Mm-hmm. There are people who are willing and able. It's just that we just have to find these people and find a, a method for us to work with. So sure. Yeah. So. so when North Koreans come to you, what is what do they tell you their hope is for the future? Uh, it's very similar to what we've been talking about. They don't want to be burdened on society. They want to be self-sufficient. They mm-hmm. want to make, you know, they want to be part of their lives and they want to just uh, show uh they want to prove to themselves and others and also people they left back in North Korea that they've that they're self-sufficient and they and then they did it with their own um own power and decision making skills and and their mm-hmm. and then their res, uh resilience they don't want to hand out they're different mm-hmm. they came here for a better life they don't want to be like a burden to anyone they want to try to be the best person uh possible you know, right, right. Do you feel like people, some refugees, have a sense of entitlement? Some of them, I'm sure they do. <laughs> I'm sure. Mm-hmm. You know, I mean, uh, I mean, it's, it's kind of a joke, but my, you know, my kids did. I know my kids do. <laughs> until I told mm-hmm. them that you shouldn't, you know, be that way. So, um, for some of these refugees, I think that we kind of have to act. As teachers, sometimes we have to tell them what to expect, you know, and what not to expect. You know, mm-hmm. some of the basic stuff uh, we have to plant seeds in, you know, so they know how to like learn the system and get some, um, uh, get some, I guess, um, uh, help in the beginning. But later on, they'll find a skill and then they'll they'll work really hard. Mm-hmm. That, you know, they're not afraid of working really hard. Yeah. And the only reason why I asked that was because I was thinking to myself, I'm sure North Koreans are very aware of everything they needed to do in order to escape and come here, right? They're very aware that what they have done is not representative of what most people do. They cross a river, they travel 3,000 miles, they go through the jungle, they they surrender themselves to the police in Thailand, sometimes sit in a jail cell for a year until they can claim asylum. Through. Right. So things they're doing are not. So when they actually immigrate to wherever they go in South Korea or United States or wherever, I'm, I'm wondering if at some point in time they think to themselves, you know what, I, I have been through so much. I've done so. I can't believe what I've been through. I am entitled <clears throat> you know, for people to help me. I'm entitled to this help and I'm entitled to this money. Just wondering, you know? Right. I mean, I think that, uh, but, um, uh, uh, you know, for these people, they might feel that way, but, uh, with their status and with their, uh, you know, with their current situation, the entitlement, 
you know, it's about a thousand, fifteen hundred dollars from the government, maybe, if you are, mm -hmm. you know, uh, labeled as uh, someone who can't work and a person mm -hmm. receiving SSI. Mm -hmm. Yeah, there are some North Koreans like that too, but there are North Koreans who are thriving, who have, who work in a hospital, who, who own a uh, trading company, who, who mm -hmm. own a townhouse. <laughs> you know, yeah. So, so, so we try to teach them in in an American Catholic society. The best option is to uh, get a skill, uh, find a job, or start a business and make as money and make as much money as possible. That's the American mm -hmm. dream, right? Yeah. That is the first. That's option number one. Option right. number two, if you have PTSD and if you're struggling with a lot of issues, sometimes you do have to be on government assistance. You know, and that's mm -hmm. something that we discourage, but that's the uh, not everyone has the ability to succeed. There are people mm -hmm. who don't have the ability, don't have the health, don't have the education, don't have the skills to be on their own. So I think that we shouldn't label them as one specific category. We mm -hmm. have to treat them as individuals. But as I mentioned, I try to, I try to like you know motivate them to uh, make a, a good living for themselves in the U.S. and try to assimilate and and reach for the American dream by mm -hmm. getting a good job, starting a uh, studying a business, uh, so that they could really be self sufficient. That's that's what I encourage. That's fantastic. It sounds to me like Rank is doing great things. It's on the right track. Yes, thank you. Mm -hmm. So if you were to say one thing, if you had the opportunity to say one thing to Pastor Kim, what would you say to him? Um, you know, he's an amazing man. I would love to meet him. I plan to go to Korea in March and hopefully I get an opportunity to meet him. But I want to just generally thank him for being such a an incredible um, role model and an inspiration to all of us. I think that he... Does he did and he does, and he will make a difference in so many people's lives, and his life is an inspiration. And then yes, yeah, and he's incredible what he has done and what he's doing. Hopefully, you will get to meet him when yeah, you go to Korea. So that would be fantastic. And then I really want to thank North Koreans too, because one of the reasons I really help them is because they do, they value their lives so much. They, you know. I think, I think I spoke to one North Korean refugee uh, who actually motivated me to start this uh, journey. Um, that lady said, I value my life so much. I know that my, my mind and my body uh, are broken. And it takes, you know, and she was telling me about her daily routine. So she would get up at three or four in the morning and she would uh, eat medicine she would take medicine and drink a lot of water. And then in L.A., because there's a lot of sun, she would get out like uh, like 6, 7 in the morning and get two or three hours of sun because her bones are broken. Uh. Yeah, so she needs to do two hours of like sunbathing, you know, by walking and getting much sun. And then she will stretch for an hour because she has arthritis and suffering from a lot of physical pain. And then mm -hmm. she would get like, you know, uh, counseling and mental therapy. And then she would spend another two hours getting acupuncture because she feels so much pain from all the torture she faced. So wow. when I heard the story, I started like bawling. And then she, but she, 
But she didn't complain. She said, you know, this is what I did to survive. You know, I've, you know, God has given me this life and then I value it. So I have to take care of it until it ends. So I was like, wow, this is another, this is another level of courage and, you know, uh, valuing her life that I've never seen. She loved her life so much, life of freedom, mm -hmm. you know, being able to walk and talk without, you know, being listened to and, you know, eating fresh vegetables and, and go shopping and enjoying your life in the United States. So mm -hmm. I was like, wow, that's pretty inspiring. So Despite what, the pain that she's in with her arthritis. Right, arthritis, all the challenges faced. So, so you know, um, so that, that was a story, but uh, embedded in, um, so North, uh, not only North Korean refugees, but I believe all refugees, they face, they have all these health challenges and they have all these mental health challenges because most of them have been probably beaten, you know, tortured to a certain extent. Mm -hmm. Or meant, you know, or been in mental anguish, and have you know experienced and seen, you know, PTSD, you know, uh, anxiety to a level mm -hmm. that we've never, we can never exact, we can never imagine. They've been to, yeah, they they've been in so much difficult situation that we that we could only see in horror movies. They've been in it, <laughs> right? Yeah, like the yeah, like that, you know. Uh, like that one lady, Sarah, when she said, when she saw a movie uh, in America, when she saw like a James Bond movie where there's so much action and people dying, she said, oh, yeah, not uh, do I not only see that movie? I I feel like I've been in one of those movie sets, you know? <laughs> and, and that Right. Movie, yeah. So for her. It triggered her. Yeah, it the, would trigger yeah, her. Yeah, triggered her, yeah. The memories, yeah. yeah. the memory, you know. Uh, so the scene, I could still picture her being on a back of a bicycle, holding her, you know, daughter in her arms, trying to uh, catch the boat so that she could cross the river from North Korea to China. So I, you know, yeah. that's, those, those like images are vividly, you know, printed in my mind. And I'm like, wow, this, this is incredible what they've accomplished. So I think they've done most of their, uh, like, uh, Lifting, uh, I mean, they've they've uh, overcome most of the challenges, and they made it to the United States. And I feel like it's our mission to uh, help uh, get to the the promised land or achieving the American dream that they came here to do. A lot mm -hmm. of them are struggling because language, the culture, the capitalistic system is very foreign to them. They still don't understand because they grew up in a very uh, socialist uh, totalitarian state where mm -hmm. you know they weren't really um, encouraged to think independently what they say what sure. they thought were indoctrinated so sometimes they have hard time making decisions sometimes they don't know what to do mm -hmm. most of the time so I feel like and they've been brainwashed right yeah mm -hmm. so I don't want them yeah so that's so that's so that's really that's been really like you know uh that, you know, her story and the story of many North Korean refugees have really touched my heart. And that's why I feel like I, you know, that's why I feel like I need to do this and tell right. people about this. Right. Yeah. Tell me about the next event Rank is having. Um, so next event, I think that we're going to have a uh, probably a Christmas uh, banquet sometime, hopefully before, you know, and then try to invite a few families and, 
Yeah. And then try to like just share a, a nice meal and just, you know, that find sounds out, wonderful. And just find out what they might need. And then, I don't know, I'm just trying to uh, get some toys for the kids, trying to get a, I don't know, trying to make, get a, a, a list of presents that we could like prepare. <laughs> mm-hmm. Something mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. <laughs> that sounds yeah. wonderful. And this is in the Los Angeles area? Uh, I believe so. No, Los Angeles or somewhere, some uh, a place where we could actually like uh, all of us uh, don't have to travel too long. So mm-hmm. we're trying to find the central location for us to have it, I believe. Yeah. So how can people get a hold of you? What, tell me your, what your website is. Tell me your social media. How can how can people look up Rank? Yeah, so we our website is rank three r a n k number three dot org. Uh, we are still working on the web page, and very soon we're going to have all the events listed. And then uh, we could be found on Facebook, and um, I forgot. There's another. I think you might know more about that. There's... Facebook. It's under uh, Relief Aid of North Koreans. If you if you search for Rank Relief Aid of North Koreans, it'll pop up. I know that. And then the website. And then um, do you have an email address or a phone number that you want to share? Okay. Uh, you could just, uh, for right now, we're just trying to switch over to uh, um, Microsoft. But you could just email me at my personal email, jhp, John Henry Paul, 711 at gmail.com. And I'll respond to you personally because we're not that big yet. So when you email me, I'll respond to you as soon as possible. And I believe you can also send a message on the Facebook page. I'm sorry, on the website, Mm rank3.org. If you click on contact, you can send a message through there. Mm. And I really, really appreciate you coming on, Mr. June Park. Um, I appreciate your insight and I really appreciate what rank is doing. I, I want to follow you. I want to make sure that I'm a part of that. And if anyone else is interested, please don't hesitate. Visit the website, visit the Facebook page. Um, there are ways that you can contribute ways you can help. If you want to volunteer your time, uh, please don't hesitate to do that. I'm assuming you're open to people who want to volunteer. Yeah, you know, we are looking for volunteers, donors, and uh, yeah, people who have good ideas, people who want, who want to, uh, people or organizations that want to partner up, churches, synagogues, you know, mosques, you know, other nonprofits who are trying to help refugees. You know, we are all open to those opportunity, opportunities. So, yeah. Wonderful. Thank you. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Fantastic. Thanks for coming on, and hopefully we'll have you on again in the near future. Okay. Thank you so okay. much, Melissa. It was my pleasure. Awesome. Thank you for your invite. It was really great uh, talking to you today. Awesome. Okay. Be safe. Okay. Thank you. Bye-bye. Okay. Bye.